Christmas says, if you're the only person here on earth, God would send his son to earth just for you. God knows you. God loves you. Thirdly, she says, God even forgives you. His mercy extends to those who fear him. You were worth coming to earth for. You matter to God. He knows you. He loves you. He forgives you. And then not only that, then she goes on to say that God actually wants to use me. We saw this, actually, you saw the little, in the little video clip about Zechariah. Well, Zechariah had a wife, and the wife's name was, was Elizabeth. And she, when she meets Mary, when Mary comes into her presence, and, and she's pregnant already, uh, the baby leaps in her womb. And uh, so Elizabeth, by the Holy Spirit, says, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. So God used Mary. Can you imagine? I mean, here she is, a very young teenager. She's poor. Um, and and I, to me, the most encouraging thing is, if God can use teenagers, God can use anybody. And <laughs> so he knows you. He loves you. He forgives you. He wants to use you. And um, you think, but why? Why would God want to do that for me? Why would he? I, I'm certainly not like Mary. Why would, why would God want to use me? Well, that's why we have to get to Zechariah's song, the second song in this, these first two chapters of Luke. He was an older man, probably about 80 years old. He was uh, in the temple. He was a priest in the temple. And when he finds out Gabriel, the same one that went to, went to Mary, he approaches Zechariah and tells him that, look, I know you're old and I know your wife's old. You're, you're in your 80s or so, but you're, you're going to have a baby. And you're going to call this baby John, you know, John the Baptist. And he's going to be the precursor, the heralder, the precursor, the one who prepares the way for the Messiah who's going to be born, coming up. And you know what the Bible says about, I love this because it reminds me of me. Zechariah didn't believe him. He didn't believe him. So the angel struck him mute so he could not talk. So for over nine months, he couldn't talk. And of course, Elizabeth gets pregnant. Uh, and then when they has the baby, when they have the baby, they bring it to Zechariah. What do you want to name him? We're going to call him John. He writes it down. And then all of a sudden, his lips are loose and he's able to talk. And guess what the first thing that comes out of his mouth? A song. Zechariah's song. He says, let us praise the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to help his people and he has given them freedom. It's the word for redemption. He's redeemed them. He's given them freedom. He has given us a powerful savior from the family of God's servant, David. And then a few verses later, he gives the purpose of it all. He says that we being delivered from the hand of our enemies, it's literally delivered is the literal word for being ripped to rip out. We've been ripped out from the hands of our enemies that we might serve him without fear and holiness and righteousness before him all of our days. So I, I think maybe the, the title we would give to Zachariah's song, if, if for Mary's song it would be Amazing Grace, Zachariah's song would be Amazing Gift, this incredible gift. And I, I think that's why the giving at Christmas comes because God gave this greatest gift of his son, Jesus Christ, to us. And this son has come and Zechariah says he has come to help his people. Emmanuel, God 
with us. See, God is not only with us. He is for us. And the text says that he's come to give us redemption. He's coming to pay a redemption price, to free us, a redemption price. Well, redeem us from what? The word was used to show that we were captivated and held captive by something. Um, and it's the picture of in the slave market of sin, and he's going to buy us out of the slave market of sin. So that's the freedom part, the penalty of sin to be, to miss, and that penalty is missing the mark. That's the word sin, harmartia, means to actually miss the mark. So he's paying for that penalty so we can be released from not just sin, but the effects of that separation. The effects of sin would even be things like worry and guilt, uh, bitterness, frustration, misunderstanding, meaninglessness in, in life, resentment, fear of death. So when Zechariah finds this out, you can just see this 80-year-old man just trembling with excitement as he sings out that God has given to us and he uses the word, not just a savior, he has given us a powerful savior who can rip us out, who can deliver us, who can rip us out of things that hold us, the enemies that hold us. He, it can rip us out of things like guilt and shame and habits and fear so that we can serve him in freedom and in holiness and righteousness. So then we've got to ask the question, but do I really need a savior? Do I really need one? It reminds me of my favorite letter to Santa. It was written by this little boy. And so he writes the letter. Dear Santa, there are three boys in my house. There's Jeffrey. He's two. There's David. He's four. And Norman is seven. Jeffrey is good some of the time. David is good some of the time. Norman is good all of the time. I am Norman. <laughs> and, and the fact of the matter is, we all know beyond a shadow of a doubt, we are not Normans. Matter of fact, the Bible says in Romans 3, verse 10, there are none righteous, no, not even one. We all need help. We all need a powerful Savior. And that's why in Zechariah's song it says, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And then his psalm ends with this. You think, why? Why would God become flesh? Why, why would God even think of coming as a human being? And it's because he says, he ends his song with, because, I love this phrase, it's because of the tender mercies of God, whereby the sunrise comes to us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. God comes to us. God comes to earth. The finite becomes definite. And his son is Jesus Christ. And he wants to give us, as Zachariah sings in the psalm, he wants virtually to light up our life and he wants to guide our life. And so Jesus says, this is why I want to come. And you think, well, so what? 
I mean, it all sounds good. It sounds so religious. But so what? Well, there's one more song, and that's the angels' song. And the angels, in Luke chapter 2, it says, Suddenly this great company of heavenly hosts appear with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. So this song could, I think, be entitled Amazing Glory. Because heaven and earth are brought together. God comes down in the person of Jesus Christ, totally God, and yet at the same time, totally man, so that we can really understand for the first time what the glory of God really is. And that he comes down to die on a cross, ultimately, to pay for our inglory, so we can experience and reflect the glory of God and understand what glory is all about. And so the angels get a front row seat on this whole deal. So here's Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, Emmanuel, God with us, who, as Zechariah calls, a powerful Savior, a Redeemer, a Deliverer comes for our inglory to pay for it, to give us not only a relationship with God, but ultimately to give us a peace that passes all understanding. Well, I think based on these three songs of Christmas, Mary's song, Amazing Grace, Zachariah's song, Amazing Gift, and the angel's song, Amazing Glory, you think, well then, how can Christmas last all year? First of all, You've got to remember the grace of God. You know, the acrostic for grace would be God's riches at Christ's expense. And that's what Mary's saying about. She's saying, look, God knows me. He loves me. He forgives me. And he has a plan for my life. He wants to use me. That's the grace of God. God's riches at Christ's expense. But then that's not enough. You also then, Zechariah would say, you need to also receive God's gift to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Can you imagine getting a present from somebody and really never opening that present? I mean, just think how you would feel. Let's say you came to my house, you rang the doorbell, you said, hey, Pastor Jeff, Merry Christmas, we got you a present. I said, oh, thank you, man, that is awesome. Thank you, it's so beautifully wrapped, that's a wonderful present. Thank you. And so I put it on the table right in the foyer of our house. And you leave, you go, and let's say a few months later, you decide to come back. And you ring the doorbell, I open the door, you walk in, and there's the present sitting on the table. And you go, Jeff, man, I, I went to a great expense, great thoughtfulness. I tried to get something for you that would be so meaningful to you and and it was costly and and you haven't even opened it up it's sitting there on the table i mean what, that wouldn't make sense would it so you've got to receive the gift and folks the truth of the matter is i mean we'll sit through christmas eve services year after year after year maybe go to easter services and you're presented with this gift and i think for so many people we tend to leave that gift on the table and, and we never really receive it we never really open it so I would challenge you today to receive that gift to unwrap that present that God gives to you in his son Jesus Christ to invite him into your life
and then reflect the glory of God. Experience the freedom from your in-glory and experience that genuine peace that only God can give. And you think, well, you know, what in the world would you give God at Christmas? What would you give to God, someone who has absolutely everything? And I would say the only thing you could really give him that he would be excited about is to give him your life. You know, December 26th is going to hit real soon. You're going to experience Christmas tomorrow. It's going to be a wonderful day, and I hope it's a fabulous day for everybody. The next day, it's to the stores you go, returning all the gifts that you don't really like. You know, the relatives are all going to go home. Um, You're going to start your diet, finally. (laughs) But I'll tell you, Christmas will last for you if you say yes to Christ. If you remember his grace, receive his gift, and reflect his glory. Well, let me pray for us, and then we'll close with a couple songs. Just as you bow your heads, I I don't know why you really came today. Maybe it's because a friend invited you, maybe a relative. Uh, Maybe you came because it's just sort of the traditional thing to do. But uh, I don't believe you're here by accident. I believe that God brought you to this place at this time so that he can say to you this Christmas that I know you. You really matter to me more than you would ever know. And so would you receive the greatest Christmas present ever today? And that's the present of Jesus Christ. You know, you really can't understand Christmas if you don't understand God's package that he designed specifically for you. And then actually receiving receiving that, that gift. So would you say in your heart right now, Jesus Christ, I don't really understand it all, but I want to receive you into my life. I want to accept your gift of mercy and forgiveness, grace and salvation. Put your love and your joy and your peace in my life. Thank you for forgiving me and please make me the person that you want me to be. And so today, Lord, I want to accept that free gift of salvation, the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ. Father, thank you for Christmas. Thank you for the meaning of Jesus' birth. Thank you that because of what has happened, we will never, ever be the same. Thank you that the baby Jesus grew up, died on the cross, rose again, and lives in people's hearts today by your Spirit. Thank you that today... I hope for the first time many people have opened their hearts uh, to Jesus. And may this be the greatest Christmas ever. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Let's all stand together. We'll sing Amazing Grace. Silent Night.